0: Good Evans, it's a Bobcast. Welcome to episode 49 with me, your host, Bob Evans, although my friends call me Kevin Mitchell. How are you going? Welcome back. Uh, If you're new, welcome. Make yourself at home, make yourself comfortable. Um, This is my podcast where I talk to, you know, people that I know in the music, mostly the music industry, but sometimes not. And we have a good old chat. Um, Just a few things to let you know about before we get started Uh first of all, I am going on tour all through June. My record Tomorrowland came out just the other week. Uh thank you to everybody who has bought it or streamed it. The response to the record has been amazing. And I'm really looking forward to hitting the road in June. Um I'll be playing I'll be starting the tour up in Queensland. I'll be going through New South Wales, Victoria, WA and South Australia. Um finishing up at the Northcote Social Club in Melbourne at the end of June. So for all those dates it's pretty much pretty much every week of, of June. Uh, all the dates, bobevans.com.au is my website, and uh, you can get your tickets and all that stuff from there. So that's uh, exciting news. Also, too, Jebediah are doing a bunch of spring-loaded festivals. Go to net to see which ones we're doing, but um, we're actually going to be in uh, Sydney at Randwick, uh, the Lawn Randwick playing a spring loaded festival Grinspoon are going to be there Friends of Rome are going to be there Custard it's a you know it's a it's a 90s nostalgia fest Um, but it's going to be heaps of fun Um, and and I are playing the night before that so that's next Friday um, at uh, the Cambridge in Newcastle and there are still tickets available to that as well there's also uh, there's a festival in June that we're playing called the Frost and Fire Festival in Forbes, and it's free, but you do have to uh, register to get a ticket. So, again, go to the website, bobevance.com.au to find out all about that, and I'll have the full band there as well. I'll also have the full band playing at my Northcote Social Club show in Melbourne. Um, that's the last show of the tour, so, you know, I'm hoping that'll be a really big celebration and uh, just, yeah, a, a great uh, night to kind of finish off that tour. Uh, lots more happening later on in the year, of course, sort of things slowly kind of coming together. Um, uh, and I'll let you know about more stuff when I'm allowed to. But um, So, yeah, um, and, yeah, don't forget, yeah, my album Tomorrowland is out now. Uh, right. Um, as usual, if you re- would like to rate and review this podcast on uh, iTunes or wherever, Uh, you are able to rate and review it. That would be really, really helpful. Obviously, you know, I do this for nothing. It's a free podcast. Um, So those little uh, uh, five-star ratings and stuff just help uh, spread the word about it. Um, Apparently, I don't really know how algorithms work, but apparently that's how it goes. uh, It's all a bit beyond me. Um, As usual, there is uh, explicit language, adult content in this podcast. Uh, So be aware of that. The music that my guest talks about, I will put up, I will add to my Spotify playlist, Good Evans, It's a Bobcast Soundtrack. You can find that on Spotify. It's got all the songs that every guest has talked about on the show uh, right from when it started all those years ago. All right. Well, uh, without any further ado, let's get into episode 49 um, of the Bobcast. And it is with me, old mate, Jason Wally. From Frenzel Rom, he is the singer in Frenzel Rom, and uh, look, he's been uh, around uh, doing this longer than I have. Um, but uh, Frenzel Rom and Raban, it's um, staples of the festival scene. And when we were c- kind of moving through it, so uh, we we were often uh, sharing stages at festivals, and um, and yeah, you know, just like Jebediah, Frenzel Rom's still going, um, still kicking uh survivors we are survivors of the uh of the nineties um and we're yeah <laughs> playing together uh next weekend um at the spring letter festival so um so yeah, I had a great chat with uh Jay, you know, I don't think he's a a massive podcast fan. It's funny sometimes when I ask people to come on the podcast, you know you can tell pretty quickly it's like a podcast, everybody's got a podcast, I'm so sick of podcasts, I'm so sick of being asked, and I get it, you know. Sometimes I think that about myself. Sometimes I think about me making my podcast and think, oh God, you're so insufferable and annoying. Um, But uh, fortunately for for me and, and us, uh Jason uh made an exception and said, Alright, I'll go on your stinking podcast um just in order to uh keep the friendship alive, I think. So um so I do appreciate that. Uh, and I'm sure you will really enjoy this chat with Jason from Frenzel Rom. Um we get through all sorts of stuff here. Um but uh yeah. Hopefully there's plenty there for uh, to to raise a smile and uh and uh you know, just do whatever this podcast needs to do for you over the next hour all right let's start it uh this is episode 49 jason wally from friends of rom on good Evans. it's a (laughs) bobcast Welcome to the podcast, Jason Wally. How you going, man?
1: I'm very well, thank you. All things considered.
0: All things considered. <laughs> what are some of those considerations? Well,
1: we just got back from um, three Frenzel Rom shows in Melbourne oh, yeah. after not playing for 14 months or so.
0: Right. So these are your first shows kind of post all the 2020, you know, shenanigans.
1: Yes. hundred percent. So um,
0: how, how did they go?
1: Oh look, they were well attended and the audience was enthusiastic Well that's great, um, that's
0: always a really great start
1: Yeah um, <laughs> And uh, it was good, it was, you know, nerve wracking at first Yeah um, We sort of uh, had to sort of shake off a bit of the bit of the nerves, some of the cobwebs Yeah um, From the start But um, And then by Ballarat we're like, yeah, I remember how to do this And then Geelong we're like, yeah, fuck yeah yeah, I um, mean,
0: because I, I, we, Jeb's, um, I've done a few solo gigs and a couple of Jeb shows um, this year. And yeah, I found with the Jeb and I gigs, yeah, it took like, and the two shows we've done have been like sort of festival type environments. We haven't done like a pub gig yet, but um, I, found that by, I found by about the second or third song, it started just to feel normal again. It didn't take too long, really
1: yeah yeah and I think the fact that I was nervous through the whole first two shows is pretty normal for me
0: right, okay
1: because um yeah, I get nervous
0: do you really have, you, have have you has it always been like that for you?
1: It has always been like that for me um doesn't matter if it's two people or twenty thousand people, I am terrified and I wonder why I'm doing it.
0: <laughs> well I think yeah I think uh, probably most musicians would uh ask themselves those questions from time to time. Um, yeah,
1: no but I do enjoy it, you know, once it's all going and everything's sort of going well. I think it's mainly like the if the a lot of the time if the if the banter is going well between Lindsay and I right and no one in the band's too drunk then yeah. then it's it, it's very enjoyable and if you know you have the crowds um enthusiastic then I'm like, okay, this is good. I like this. This is a good way to spend a life.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's a funny. It makes me think, you know, that it's a, it's an interesting sort of dynamic or relationship, you know, that you have as a performer with your audience. It's like, because, you know, you want to, because you, you want your audience to feel at ease as soon as you walk on. You want to walk on stage and just sort of give off the vibe to the audience of like, we've got this. Oh, so yeah. You're in, you're in good yeah. hands and... Yeah. We're going to have a great time tonight, but also as a performer, you really kind of need the audience to kind of give you something back as well, right, you know, to to make it all work.
1: Yeah. I was talking to um, Pete from Regurgitator, and he was saying that he's um, a, not a very selfish performer at all. Like, mm. he... Has played so many shows, particularly with Front end Load Art, when no one cared about their band, that he's quite is quite happy to play shows in front of people that don't give a fuck. Yeah. <laughs> whereas whereas um oh, yeah I think I need people to enjoy it. And my well, actually my my eleven year old um on the day that I was going to Melbourne to do the first concert um said oh I had a dream last night about your band <laughs> and um I was like oh what was the dream and he goes oh you're on stage and no one liked you how <laughs> are you like, i i have that dream yeah that's my dream
0: i'd <laughs> say so that's actually the i live that dream sometimes my, my <laughs> <I> darling <know. laughs> I know.
1: and what do you know about tonight that i don't know
0: <laughs> well just uh, you know just um before jumping on to this chat um was just uh we were just quickly chatting i was uh reading uh, or listening to my youngest child uh my youngest daughter read she's seven yes. um and it was you know it was great she's reading really well but you know sometimes it can take a little while to get through a book um or, you know a short book um yeah. what, and and you were talking a little bit about your sort of you know parenting or education to the system and you were you were you were mentioning something about the uh the school that your kids went to and that it was a little bit hippie and Oh well,
1: f- no, it's not really a hippie school. It's just like a regular public public school, but it is in the inner west of Sydney, so we're deeply within the what's known as the goat cheese curtain. <laughs> um, <laughs> so you know, like he was, he was writing letters to refugees when he was three at you know preschool. Yeah. It's that kind of place, you know. So very progressive, and you know, as a lefty parents, it's um, it's all very nice. But um, but no, his school that he's got, his primary school. Is basically based on like a Finnish model where, because, you know, the Finns have these really great um, educational outcomes as far as like reading and, you know, all the rest of it. And uh, they um, so that one of the things is not to have any homework at all from kindergarten till year six. Right. Which is, uh, that's fine for the Finns because they can speak six languages before they're, you know, seven. <sighs> and, yep. um, Bloody Scandinavians.
0: And the Scandinavians, they're always kind of, they're always, whenever these kind of discussions around education or, um, you know. Yeah, they're always kicking Yeah, social And I have kind suspicions.
1: Yeah, yeah, all of it. And, you know, prisons i mean yeah my my um my sneaking suspicion is that my kid needs to do some fucking homework <laughs> Right. <laughs> <laughs> by the time he gets to high school he's just gonna be like what happened i don't know anything
0: yeah but i mean it's like look i mean i think it's a pretty um a pretty uh common sort of debate like I mean, my kids have to do a, yeah a little bit of homework, just like some reading and some um, spelling and stuff. And they're only seven and nine, but yep. yeah, like you do often hear sort of hear how you know that debate about how much homework kids should have. And I mean, I don't know, like what my kids. I sometimes worry that my kids aren't spending enough time just like outside, just like climbing trees and kicking balls and like you know just. Yeah. That's what I. That's what I remember doing when I was their age. I pretty much spent all my time outside kicking a ball or you know running around through the bushes or yeah, whatever I, yeah. that, I don't know i don't know if my kids do much running of that, around hey.
1: through the bushes sounds more creepy than r- running around through the bush
0: well we <laughs> <laughs> that's why i said that's why i said bush <laughs> well, like no, well we i grew up uh our house sort of backed onto just this very small kind of area of bushland and um and, yeah. a, and, par- and parks and stuff it was directly at our back door,
1: so you'd, you'd, yeah, I grew up to... around the bush, also. Right? Did we, you? Um, we used it to like very, it. Was very um, sort of liberating as yeah. a
0: child. We played a lot of, chasey, lot of chasey, a lot of chases of the bush. You know, the occasional fire. We would, you know, yeah. somebody somebody would start, yeah, um, yeah. and, and uh, also be
1: the first per- people to um, call the fire brigade.
0: That's right. And then so be I... the
1: first first on scene and be yes. lauded as heroes.
0: That's right. When the, the, I do remember one time, you know, in the eighties, uh, late eighties. Oh, you know, being involved in a big group of probably about twenty kids out in the bush. Then I don't know who started the fire, but somebody did. Sure, um, sure you do. And by the time, <laughs> by the time the fire engine rocked up, it had been put out. And you know, you can just imagine like the fire is getting out, just going, oh, shit!" You know, we know exactly what they've started a fire. They've put it out. Yeah, um, and that we were all kind of, yeah, looking... Uh, I think we were all sort of feeling pretty proud of ourselves. It's like, oh, you know, there's nothing to see here, Fires. You know, the, the situation's over. Emergencies they yeah. dealt with.
1: <laughs> so you're basically saying that our children are missing out on starting bushfires. They should be lighting more <laughs> fires. Yeah, I want, I want my kids to be lighting more fires. That's what I'm... <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't buy into the um the sort of streets are more dangerous um sort of thing at the moment. Like uh, you know, people are like, oh, in my day, you know, we'd be roaming around the streets with our friends and blah, blah, but, you know, it's not that safe these days. Like I'm sure that the percentage of pedophiles are still around. Yeah. But uh but I think that yeah, I mean, our kids got a pretty pretty good little neighborhood around here and we've um especially during like lockdown and stuff there was a lot of when like you know everyone was kind of home Mm. and um we'd sort of take a handball out and it was like this sort of weird sort of i don't know what i would imagine a 1960s childhood to be like (laughs) where it was like it was sort of like hard rubbish as well, like, around that time, and it was holidays, and I just remember just standing in sort of neighbours' garages drinking beer while the kids were just sort of <laughs> smashing things in <laughs> around. It that was really great.
2: It's
0: great, that is. It's good, wholesome fun.
1: Yeah, and even, you know, the, sort of <laughs> the device culture sort of waned a bit, like because even right. that, like, you can't sustain that for, you know... I mean, some people probably can, but even they sort of got, you know, they were more more into kind of just going out and and running amok
0: Yeah, I mean my, you know, w- my kids spend a bit of time a little bit of time on devices. I mean because at the school that my kids go to from grade 3, um everybody has to have their own iPad, every kid has to oh, have their wow. own iPad. Yeah, right. So um so, you know, you can't it's it's you can't really um stop them from using it, but um but, yeah, like, I, we have to monitor it because we do notice that, like, you know, it's they're very addictive things, you know. As we all know as yeah. adults, too, you know. I mean, yeah. how, many, how many adults are addicted to their fucking phones, right? Yeah, um, yeah me and so Yeah, me too. I spend way too much time on my phone and, and probably set a bad example. But, um, but sometimes you notice, like, their mood gets a little bit shirty.
1: Oh yeah, um, it's heroin. It's definitely heroin. And like they, <laughs> they, um, they kind of plan where where the dealer's house is as well. Like I've seen him and his mates sort of sitting around going, "Oh, do you reckon we could go to Darcy's house? Or do you reckon his dad would let us?"
2: Like, on the
1: <laughs> screens. They'd be like, "Yeah, yeah, let's go there." Oh yeah, no, Oscar's dad won't allow us. But um, yeah, if we go around to Hugo's, then. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's where really the good stuff. Yeah, it
1: really is. Like it's like, where can we get it? Where like, yeah. how do we get it. Let's get, get the, it.
0: Get the fix. Um, yeah. So your your kids are a little bit older than mine. What what do they? What's I just their un- have the
1: one. Just have the one. Oscar, he's eleven.
0: Okay, all right. And what's his understanding of like friends of rom and and and
1: what you you know not
0: only sort of your history and music, but also you know your day to day stuff today. You know he, these days.
1: He lives in a world of double standards where <laughs> he's not allowed <laughs> to swear anywhere near as much as I do in public. Yeah. Um and things like that, but um he gets it. He he's come to various events that we've played at. Like he came with us to Montreal to oh, wow. the, this um this festival that we played over there, and um he's been on tour with um so my wife and I play in another band called the Neptune Power Federation, and he's come with us to Europe to um some festivals over there and whatnot, and um sort of toured around with the band with the with friends all he yeah he's sort of been to been to a couple of things and he sort of lurches between i think being sort of proud of it and sort of horrified right yeah (laughs) yeah yeah. um and but he i think he he sort of yeah he likes it's not his favorite music i mean i don't know if he's really that into music at all like we sort of make him um, he's kind of been punished with it, I guess, from birth. Right. And we sort of – his favorite thing is just like playing football. Right. And he loves loves soccer. Um, and uh, so, yeah, he kind of – he learned piano and then we let him give that up. If he picked another instrument and he's like try pick the least – uh, musical thing that he could think of. And he's like, I'm learning drums. And I'm
2: like, good, dude. <laughs> drums rule.
1: And, um, so now I'm sitting next to his... drum. He's actually at drum lessons right now.
2: No way.
1: Um, but And he's kind of pretty good at it. But it's, yeah, it's definitely not his favorite thing. Um, and I don't know if he thinks, sort of thinks that's just mum and dad stuff, mm. you know, to an extent. And he's going to find his own path. Or hopefully, like, you know, like, if he does ever come to it... Because I'll be trying to tell him, like... Dude, if you learn drums now, like it'll be yeah. like a superpower when Ex- you're in your teens.
0: Exactly. Like, that's what know, I tell
1: people. Yeah.
0: That's what I tell my oldest daughter because she's le- just started learning guitar and she she takes she does lessons because I I realised very quickly that I could not teach her how to play guitar because oh yeah I, they have zero respect. Oh well, well, that's well. That's one of the things is definitely yeah, they um. Yeah, the and, and I noticed this too last year doing homeschooling. You know, they you know the, the way they communicate is different to their parent with their parents as it would be with a teacher. You know, with a the teacher, they oh yeah, you know, they t- toe the line a lot more. But at home, you know, they know that they can just sort of you know just say things like I'm bored or that kind of yeah. Um, but uh, but I realised really quickly that I was wasn't going to be able to teach her because um, I was self-taught pretty much I, I did take a yep. few, I took a few lessons to learn the basic chords and then I kind of went off and learnt the rest myself um, and so you're like what,
1: what do you know to do it I've already showed you how I know you my pay you
0: know and up until then I'd started to become really proud of how patient I'd become after being a being a parent like my i just felt like <laughs> after pa- being a parent especially when they were babies and toddlers it's like my patience has just grown so much i'm a, i'm incredible i can sit and listen <laughs> listen to them ta- like a toddler tantrum for like an hour and just not even blink you know it's wow. like super cool it's all fine but then when it comes to teach you know trying to teach ella guitar no patience it's like i don't understand i've told you this like 10 times like what so now what we do so – so now she does lessons with somebody else at school and then what she does is she comes home with her, like, homework and then I help her with that. So it's like uh, she'll come home with like a – at the moment it's like a Taylor Swift song and they've got all the chords written and out. And so it's like, oh, okay, well, you show me what you're learning and I'll help you with that. Yeah, that's than, good. And that, that works. We're in a, it's a, we're in a happy kind of uh, – in a happy oh, place with good. that.
1: Yeah, I think my my son um, basically does drum lessons because he knows that with the change that I that he gets from the guy that he can go and get some chocolate.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Again, got to get the fix. Always yeah. looking, always looking
1: for a yeah. fix. Yeah, that's it.
0: Well, anyway, this isn't a parenting podcast. Um, <laughs> <isn't it? laughs> um, hey, we're doing a bunch of uh, spring-loaded festivals
1: uh, oh, this look, year. How good that going to be? I was, um, I, we as a group kind of always, well, I like to say we shied away from all the nostalgia festivals for quite a long time. Yeah. But we probably just weren't asked, <laughs> is more the point. But, um, but we did sort of, I uh, did sort of shy away from them because, like, you know, we've always put out records yeah. pretty, con- like, pretty regularly. Like, they get kind of further apart these days. But, um, you know, we've sort of always been working towards something. And, um, and uh, yeah, like seeing, and because we grew up, like you know, when like the these the nostalgia festivals were like the boys are back in town tours, where like right. the choir the choir boys would play with, um, you know, Spy versus Spy, and um, right. you know someone else, and and they'd all play like two songs each, and it be yes, kind of, I remember that, yeah, yeah. And um and we'd sort of joke about that or whatever and now we're sort of doing them and then we did one up at um I think it was it's probably hotter than hell or something like that. Yeah. And yeah. um the uh, one of the maybe you guys were on that one. It was Body Jar and um I can't even remember who else is on it, but um uh, it was rat and like it was it was basically a whole bunch of people my age having a really good time. Yeah. And like looking at myself going, You're a fucking snob dude. um these people are like entitled to a good time and i've also had to come to grips i don't know what you're like but um with like i don't have much truck with nostalgia in general Mm. and so i tend to um kind of look at what's happening at the moment or what's happening next week and try and sort of be working towards something Mm. but um but I've had to come to really realise that, like, a lot of the songs that we've written do seem to mean something to people. Or They were sort of at pivotal points in their life that, yeah. you know, that was important to them. So I'm trying to be better at, you know, being gracious about that instead of going, fucking whatever. Yeah, never had so much fun. Yeah, good on you, mate. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean, Yeah, 2001, big day out. Yeah, it was sick.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think,
1: yeah, look, I mean.
0: I totally get what you're saying. I definitely, you know, there were years gone by where, I guess, yeah, like before you really, when you first start dipping your toe into it, it's kind of like, oh, yep, this is definitely a nostalgia fest. But um, but you know, I also kind of think about it and just think, well, like if even if we were just playing a pub show to like 400 people, then yeah. that that's st- that'd still be the same kind of people coming to the show and it would still be for a lot of people coming to the show it would be kind of a nostalgia thing like you can't control that
1: yeah um, yeah it's true uh, but we do notice i reckon that whenever we put out a new record there is a different crowd mm. that comes yeah and there is like there is a risk i think of falling into that place where that's all you do you sure. know and then that that to me is not acceptable, and also wouldn't be very fun. Yeah, like when we when we go to um like last time we went to Europe, they they only wanted to hear the last two records. Like they didn't they don't care because we have no real history over there. Like we never really went there. um And then we sort of we sort of went there a couple of times in like mid to early two thousands, but then now they just like the last two records, the last two Fat Records releases. And it was so, I mean, apart from the fact that this tape's easy to sing because I've written everything heaps lower.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> it was like a real, like, it was a nice break from that, um, you know, that total uh, sort of nostalgia thing.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: Um, That's weird but because it's also, I... also, yeah, I'm an idiot because it's all, it's all pretty fun. Like Gordy, our drummer, he always wants to play the really old songs. Right. That, um, that are sort of too old to be nostalgic because <laughs> no one liked them at the time. <laughs> they were not important in anyone's life except for him. <laughs> well, it's, fu- it's funny that you
0: should, that you say that uh, you know your newer songs are. Um Easier to sing because I have the opposite problem. Like Really? Uh when we when Je, this is for Jebediah I'm talking, like oh, the, yeah. when we do the oh, old yeah. well, you Jebediah. These songs,
1: low verses and stuff, oh God,
0: you. like they're so much easier. And and I I've realized like with every album, like I was just singing higher and higher, and the hardest songs for me to sing are the newest ones, and, and when I say new, yeah, wow. they're not really that new anymore because our last album came out 10 years ago, so
1: we really yeah, got yeah.
0: really to do something about that. But um, they're the ones that kick my ass, like I really. And then when we get yeah, to the yeah, yeah, when we you mean when like, I get,
1: your, like your comet, your comets, and exactly, that sort of business it's yeah, so yeah.
0: ridiculously high. And then when we get to like 90s chairs, it's like, oh, I can you know, I can breathe easy for you know, three and a half oh, minutes man. here.
1: yeah i'm the total opposite i have to put all the all the old songs early in the set and (laughs) newer ones later on
0: i think maybe like i because i started I, i probably because when i started off i was such a crap singer and maybe over time as i've gotten better i've kind of gone oh you know i can i can do this um, yeah you
1: as if you were ever a crap singer well of, you know
0: uh, but it was you know i i learned to sing in public did you did you feel like that at all how how old were uh, you when when you guys started out
1: oh yeah i definitely know well i play i sang in a high school band when i was sort of i reckon 14 i started singing in um yeah and i only started singing because of the band kind of thing mm. like, i didn't want to sing i wanted to play keyboards and um <laughs> and like wow. sound like in excess
2: no way. And,
1: um, yeah, and uh, and then I, it's like no one else would sing, yeah, and I was the only one that could sort of vaguely hold a note, and so that sort of just kept kept going.
0: Yeah, I mean it's similar to me. I mean, I definitely was the singer in Javidai because I was the only one that, um, I mean, I guess I was singing at, for years, like at home, writing songs and stuff, and I look, I. I suppose I always had because I was writing songs. I guess I always had it, had it in my head that I would sing them. But um, but yeah, nobody else in Jevdai wanted to be the lead singer. That's for sure. I, I, so there was definitely an element of like, well, you know, that job is yeah. that, that job is vacant. So but it's, it's
1: also yeah. I think I know what you mean. Like I mean, singing, starting singing, kind of in public, means that the the you know, like you do tend to kind of well, I, I like to think that I got better at it, but I, I, I at least got, um, started to know how I wanted to, like, to sound for the best of my, to the best of my abilities. Like, I listen now because we're kind of repressing all these old records and just cringing, going, dude, you should have just given that a bit more. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, or like, you know, why did you release that entire record?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I just have memories of, like, before Slightly Oddway came out. So, would it Around 97, so before our first album came out, we'd only been a band for two years. And mm. um, one of the first... We'd done a couple of national tours, but we got on this tour with... Uh, it was Powderfinger. It was a Powderfinger tour around about the time that, that I guess they were playing... It was Double Allergic time for them. Um, yeah, right. And big, heavy stuff with a middle band, and we were the opener. Cool. And, you know, it was just... it was Look, it was awesome. It was great. But I do recall that being the first time where it's, i st- I started to think to myself oh like what you know watching greg from big he- heavy stuff sing and then bernie sing it's kind of like ah, oh, yeah you know they can actually sing yeah um, started getting hard. to my head of like oh fuck like um and, and, <laughs> oh, and then every time we did a tour i'd always be like uh am i like the worst singer on this tour probably and that went off for like but, quite a while but,
1: <laughs> yeah but like i remember um was that a was that some like because yeah we're on the same publishing company I think yeah it was funny. and um and we're at some sort of event talking to I think I'm pretty sure it was a Rob Heus because you know obviously Friends of Rome and Midnight Oil should be in the same room together. <laughs>
0: You know, look, um, <laughs> I, I'm just going to – I want you to continue this story, but I will interject that it's not as crazy as you make it sound. I mean, you
1: know. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it's just all you need is one fan in these organisations, <laughs> and, <then, laughs> and then everyone else wonders why you're there. But, um, <laughs> the, but no, but it was Rob Hurst talking about you and saying, you know, that you had this sort of character in your voice that, um, you know, could be divisive but that's why it was so good like and the same reason like he was talking the same like that peter garrett is sort of the same um in that regard like not you know it might not be technically the world's best you know opera singers or or singers or whatever but um there's something about your voices that um sort of cuts through and the people that get it absolutely just uh, in love with it, and, it, you know, it, it's just sort of amazing. And I was sitting there listening to him talk about, like, other people, going, like, so, um, how about, um, <laughs> shot liver over here? <laughs> I, just, I just changed the subject.
0: No, well, <laughs> I'm sure that after that conversation, he got into another conversation with other people, and he talked all about, you know, how Jason... He was definitely talking about me. Yeah, he definitely would
1: have been. He loves talking about me.
0: <laughs> but there was a, you know, there was a sort of a a bit of a kind of punk rock kind of idea in my head i that I do remember about like I didn't know how I I didn't know how I wanted to sing, but I knew how I I didn't know what I wanted to sound like, but I knew what I didn't want to sound like. So yeah, like yeah, you know, in 1995 when I started and for those first, well, yeah, in 95 when we started, right. Every f- dude in a band was singing like Eddie Vedder, right? Everyone was Ooh. singing like Eddie Vedder. Did you notice? Was that? Did you notice that, or was that? Just oh yeah, one?
1: it was terrible because like, was... I, I was sort of I've, I've got a couple of years on you, so we started around sort of ninety two, ninety three, and um, and that was it. year sort of just just post Nirvana, where yeah. Nirvana was the best thing that ever happened ever, and then Eddie Vedder came along, and for me, it was like ruinous. <laughs> I was like, I hated it so much, and I hated yeah, and all the and all the bands that that came from that. I was like, you're missing the best bit about Nirvana. It wasn't that he went like that. <laughs>
2: like, yeah, I
0: mean, look, um, I, I I liked Pearl Jam those first two Pearl Jam records. I liked a lot when I was a kid in high school. And, okay, this podcast um, is over. <laughs> all right, thank you very much, Chase. <laughs> no. Anyway, but no, and, and I went and saw them live at the Perth Entertainment Centre in like '94 and '95, and um. The Meanies were supporting them actually, and that was
2: really yeah. cool.
0: I, but, like, but yes, it was It be, that vocal style just got copied by so many people, and I found it so annoying. And so, I just remember there was one that is like, I don't know what I want to do. The only thing I know for sure about yeah. this fucking singing thing is I can't sound like that. Um, yeah. And, I just uh, wanted to
1: sound like Link Meanie <laughs> <laughs> and well, look we, like him.
0: Well, yeah, well, I could, I remember on that Pearl Jam tour, I'd never. I didn't know who the Matinees were at that point in time. It was the first time I'd ever seen them. And I just, I remember the set vividly because I was so uh, taken by by Link and how just...
1: Yeah, incredible.
0: He was such a... I mean, it's like throwing himself into the crowd and, you know, he just was really wild and I hadn't seen anything like that before. And um, uh, at that time, yeah, I was definitely uh, pretty
1: pretty impressed as a you know
2: yeah
0: te- teenager seeing
1: that
2: the guy throwing yeah they ch-
1: yeah they changed everything for me what you're seeing there me and ben when we started Frenzel, like we'd been seeing them and hard-ons and this guy and holy shit they look just really good songwriting too like um link link is um yeah wild songwriter i reckon he just picks these these chord changes and melodic sort of twists that like it's kind of i don't know my sister describes it as medieval like it's kind of it's like you know that sort of um i don't know there's probably some aeolian or mixolydian scale that he's probably doesn't even know he's doing but you know it's it's really yeah it's very interesting and cool to me but then manages to be kind of like the mc5 as well like Mm. And, um, and Bad Brains all sort of mixed together.
0: Can you, um, can you help me with um, working out... See, the Hard Ons are a band that um, so many people, Australian bands reference, um, and I've missed the Hard Ons, right? I was just a little bit too young. Yeah. Um, and obviously growing up in Perth too was kind of distanced from that scene. Um, yeah, like, and I've listened to them since, and um, it sounded like like what's the big deal? Well, it sounds super poppy,
1: but like yeah. So but, there's that era, like the that, that. So when they were when they'd sort of play like oh sorry, do you want to do you want to finish Oh no, that, that I off? I
0: kind of just want I want I just thought this might be a good opportunity if you're a big of um, fan to give me like a quick one hundred and one on. Um, you know the hard ons, and you know. So I guess
1: they've had, yeah, they've got, they've had a lot of incarnations over the years. So that sort of really kind of, I guess, the um, sort of very popular kind of era was that um, that first uh, sort of. I mean, they started in like 1983. This mm. multicultural band in mm. Punch Bowl, um, playing punk rock. So it was a very um kind of hostile environment for them to grow up into, like um a lot of skinheads coming to their shows and trying to bash Rayan and um and cash stuff and uh and when by the time we started seeing them kind of in the early nineties, they were kind of had this real um even though they were doing these kind of sickly, sweet, melodic poppy sort of songs, they had this real kind of um aggression to them and Mm. like to the sound as well but like even their their um sort of on stage sort of stance wasn't particularly welcoming or something like it was really (laughs) like kind of exciting as a teenager like to to go and see it and it was something a bit dangerous about it or something and and like just the volume levels of blackie's guitar and stuff and the distortion that he used and the way that he plays guitar is this kind of like um I mean, he describes it as bamboozling with bullshit, but, like, <laughs> he sort of has this, like, unique style where sometimes he's kind of barely playing chords, but he's managing to sort of carry these, like, really sickly, sweet, melodic um, little motifs through his playing and stuff. And, yeah, that's what that's what made me kind of fell, fall in love with it. And then, yeah, then they kind of went through the era with, um, you know, they did good in Europe and a little bit in the States and stuff, and then... Um I guess they kind of sort of split up for a bit and then they got back together with Pete Kostic who plays you know, yeah regurgitator and stuff and then they had this other era which I really love um they put out this great record called This Is Exciting so it's very heavy and they kind of got into this more metal sort of kind of stuff and that that was sort of divisive cuz some people you know just wanted the punk pop tunes or whatever yeah. um and then yeah, now they've got Murray and they're doing all sorts of... Their last record is really sick. It's like really great, great songwriting, cool pop tunes. Who were they? I'll send, I'll send you a list. I'll send you a playlist.
0: Yeah, send me a playlist. I mean, you know, yeah. I I mean, I could just uh, go on Spotify. But yeah, I'd like, if you could curate a playlist specifically for me, that would be <laughs> I <will>. lovely. <laughs> I will. Hey, um, <laughs> what about uh, when you were growing up? I always ask people on this podcast about... um you know uh whether they grew up in a sort of musical family how they how they came to find music as maybe either something like i really love this was there a moment or even like a moment where you went oh i could i think i can do this where that all kind of started from
1: um so mum mum and dad were musical um like uh as in sort of um they could both play mum could play piano um dad played like acoustic guitar um records in the house were like a lot dad had a lot of folk sort of stuff right um but he also had this thing where if he, if they were having guests over for dinner yeah he would like rush out and buy whatever was number one on the chart <laughs> <laughs> to make himself to make it so he looked cool Aww. and um, and so as a result we had like in, in amongst everything we had like talking heads and the cars and blondie and like, um, kind of all these cool records, um, man, of man, I sort sw- of early 80s kind of, what's that?
0: I swear that um, my mum did something similar once, like, uh, just one day, right, all of a sudden this double cassette, so, you know, like double album, but on cassette, this double cassette turned up inexplicably in our house um, by Spandau Ballet, and me, yeah. me and my brothers were absolutely positive that she bought it by mistake thinking it was like <laughs> the music from a ballet from some European ballet yeah right it didn't maybe make that, any sense yeah. but maybe she'd done a similar thing
2: maybe yeah, she'd just rushed have i guess <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's, it's kind of it's kind
1: of cute in a way yeah I like it you know <laughs> I mean, I'm still trying to do that today it's put on the, you know ask my son what to put on Spotify when we got friends over what's your um, what,
0: what's your son into
1: uh he's into the worst music ever invented in the history of music <laughs> oh, which dude. i think is my job to think that yeah as a dad you've gone full but, dad um gone but he dad. he got um he got introduced to music i mean his own music he's discovered through um whatever music's playing behind ronaldo's 10 best goals on youtube <laughs> <laughs> and let me tell you it's not good music. oh dear oh dear um but uh, but no, sort of, he's yeah, he's he's got um, he likes to Run DMC as well. So we meet on a few things. Yeah. You know. Um, but yeah, he's getting a bit into hip hop and stuff. Loves Eminem and whatnot. But he's you know he's eleven, so he likes anything that swears except for my music.
2: Right. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, but yeah, so mom, but yes, yeah, my yes musical family. Um, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, pretty, They sort of forced us to do piano when we were. Kind of, you know, pretty young, like six or seven. Um, and then we mm. had to pick another instrument, and I chose the saxophone. I did classical saxophone wow. for a few years. Um, and now all I could do is stand on a windy balcony playing Baker Street. <laughs>
2: um,
1: but, uh, it's and then more than I, I could sort do. of, <laughs> and then, um, Shamefully, also I played clarinet, and I sort of borrowed—I had borrowed a school saxophone, I think—but I still owned a clarinet, and um, and then I sort of picked up my dad's acoustic guitar at some point and taught myself how to play a power chord, and then I saw the Hard Ons, and then I went, oh, I can probably do that. Yeah. Um, I mean, pr- prior to that, I'd been I'd sort of played a band yeah, playing a bit of keyboards, doing like kind of started off doing like Hoodoo Gurus and In Excess and, right. but then also like Deep Purple and Led Zeppelin and, you know, whatever we thought we could play. Um, and then, yeah, saw the hard-ons and picked up a guitar and started writing songs at that point, I guess. Mm. Um, and then um, I hocked my clarinet for acid and, um, <laughs> <laughs> and, um, when I'd moved out of home. It's a shameful experience <laughs> looking back because <laughs> I didn't even sell it. I just like, oh, you know, can I just leave this here and you can give me a hundred bucks? I'll definitely buy it back. <laughs> it's terrible.
2: <laughs>
0: but, you know, you're talking about the clarinet though, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, who not wants one not a big loss. Not a big loss. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sure. Thanks. I, I'm, sure the, um, I'm sure the millions of uh, classical musical, music enthusiasts that listen to this podcast have now unsubscribed. Yeah. How dare you say that yeah. about the clarinet?
1: And if we could somehow um, get this podcast so my mum doesn't hear it, that would be also good.
0: Yeah, look, she won't. She won't. But I mean, yeah. what's interesting to me about hearing about that is, um, you know, that you, um, you know, you had quite a lot. You know, your both parents were into music, and from a very early age, you were exposed to, um, uh, you know, piano and and, and all these kind of like. Classical kind of instruments and stuff. Yeah,
1: why are you still only playing three chords?
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> the, like, so was it was it the was there a kind of what was was it like seeing the hard ons and was a switch flicked or was it a gradual thing where you sort of started to get into a different scene and you kind of like found that you know all this musical kind of history that you had with all these kind of uh, uh, you know instruments. You just wanted to kind of do something really, really different.
1: Yeah, I think all of that is the case. Like, yeah. Yeah, I sort of – I really wanted to write songs. I thought, well, I just found myself writing songs and I really enjoyed it. Um, and I jo- enjoyed that process of writing the song and then getting together with people that I liked and and playing the songs and, and organ- you know, trying to do a show and all that sort of stuff. And I think with the uh, sort of punk music, it seems – it was pretty like do it seemed all doable, you know, like there was there was this existing scene mm-hmm. um and uh you know met once I'd left school, met you know moved into town or um in a different part of town anyway, and then you know met all these people that could do things and and uh yeah, I think it was that, and then I guess because of the songr this with the songwriting and the punk stuff, it's like. Because I'd had that um sort of earlier training, I mean none of i like I never got like i was never a virtuoso at any of those instruments, like I just sort of learnt
2: yeah you know, how it's... to
1: how to read music a little bit and whatever but the the most valuable thing out of all of it was harmony for me like right kind of learning learning harmony and learning yeah. like how to how to sort of um like yeah, what would work with different chords and mm. you know that sort of stuff and um like i don't think it's essential definitely to have any musical knowledge at all to be able to do harmonies but because i know people that like come through my studio who have zero knowledge of that sort of stuff and you know if i say to them oh you know you could sing a third above that or whatever then you know that'll work or whatever they're like what's a third mm. and so oh, we'll just sing something higher and they'll, then they'll sing some other note that's not a third and it's way better right. than the idea that i had with, yeah you know, like so like yeah it's definitely not a prerequisite but I felt like it helped me um yeah just in songwriting having that knowledge of the piano particularly like cuz you can sort of see sort of see all the notes yeah yeah so you kind of get these ideas about majors and minors and you know all that that sort of stuff It's almost like and you, you
0: can, it's almost like um you uh, you know you benefited from not having just having just enough background and training and stuff but not having too much because you know you you find i found find so much um you know when you uh collaborate or play with people who have gone to the highest levels of training you know they've studied at the conservatory of of fucking mm. jazz and all that kind of stuff and which is all very paralyzing well it's all very impressive of what they can do but it all but it also for so many people i see it has the effect of yeah it's, it stops them from having the ability to just uh they lose their instinct or something you know um
1: yeah and it's and it's like um yeah what can you what do you do when you can do everything like i <laughs> like the i like the idea of um like the thing i enjoy about songwriting now is because you know anyone can write like a you know three or four chord fast punk song that's melodic and has a chorus and has harmonies and whatever but it's Mm. really hard to make it good within those yes confines absolutely that's my my challenge and my enjoyment from it is like having these pretty narrow boundaries and being Mm. limited by what i can do and what and you know like my vocal range and all that stuff and, and but trying to make like good songs in that and catchy songs and songs that like lyrically will potentially relate to someone and You know that, and that the band will enjoy playing and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Oh, my son's here because I'm sitting in the room next to the toilet. You're all right. How was how was your your drum lesson, dude? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, good. Um, Well, I (laughs) mean, (laughs) I. Oh good. I'm glad that this is making... it. This is make it on the podcast. Certainly not me. my wife wants to wants it to be known that um Oscar's not yelling about the smell that she 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 had nothing to do with it. <laughs> that really narrows it down? What? <laughs> yeah, I'll take it on the chin.
0: I um there's something what you were talking about then, you know, about that attitude of
1: um, yeah, like sorry. Hey, can you close that door? <laughs> Thanks, man. We actually we were recording some vocals in here for the Neptune Power Federation record, and Lauren, and my wife, she plays the part of this kind of time traveling imperial priestess kind of being that does these kind of it's kind of seventies rock um, songs, <laughs> but with these like incantations within them, and like and in the background here, this like mom, mom. Where's my shin pads? <laughs> <laughs> Where's my shin pads? Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that sort of stuff. Anyway. Um I'm glad well, we got to experience that. Yeah, sorry.
0: Well let's uh let's move on to uh your three songs, Jason. I uh, always ask uh, my guests to uh uh to, to bring to the podcast three songs that they... Based around any theme, because the original kind of idea around this has become very outdated, which was sort of based around your, your most played songs on iTunes, which nobody does anymore. Um, so um, I guess, first of all, was there a theme that you kind of gravitated towards for this?
1: Um, so... Okay, full disclosure, I completely forgot that you asked me this. <laughs> I do have three songs that I... I reckon I've got this. Um, I, so, totally, I'm sure you've totally got this.
0: Well, So that's your your theme is like three songs that I just have in my head at the moment?
1: Yep, three songs <laughs> that I have in my head at the moment. That I've been listening to and really thinking why why have I not been into this before cool. because I've just sort of discovered it recently. The first one would be... Okay, song-wise, I reckon it's American Ruse by the MC5 on their record um, uh, back in the USA.
2: They told you in school about freedom. But when you are trying to be free, they never let you. They said it's easy, nothing to it. And now they... The air's so thick it's like I'm drowning in molasses. I'm sick and tired of paying these dues, and I'm finally getting hit with the American blues. I'm gonna say the pledge of allegiance before they beat me bloody down at the station. They haven't got a word out of me since I got a billion years' probation. 69 American terminal stasis. The air's so thick it's like drowning get like tired of paying these dues And I'm sick to my guts Of the American Ruse For star Oh no Comic car Oh no Chick guitar
1: mc5 except for that kick out the jam song yes that's pretty
0: much the only one that i know as well
1: yeah so it's like a live version it's like super sloppy and kind of but kind of exciting still but you know i was like yeah yeah i get it you know that's their that's their vibe but then this record's like a studio album and it's sick. Like the feel on it is like, you can tell like a million garage bands tried to imitate them after that. On, right. or like. And it kind of verges on power pop, but it's got this cool groove and they're not scared of percussion. And it's like um, the guy like double tracks all his vocals and sings like really good. And yet it's not It's not that um, that sort of wildness of that um, kick out the jam song at all.
0: Were they um, like from Detroit or something?
1: I'm going to say yes, but I, I don't really don't know much about them at all. I only, only sort of come across them for some reason in the last little while.
0: I feel like they came from one of those kind of, you know, um, ca- yeah, like let's say Detroit industry car kind of cities or something. But um, they also strike me as a band, and, and again, as a band that I don't know, you know, I don't know much about. But they strike me as a band who, one of those bands that like weren't at the time necessarily super popular, but influenced. Like their influence was yep. bigger than. Perhaps their sort of mainstream or or whatever success while they were kinda of happening. You know what I mean?
1: Definitely yeah, definitely. And I think um that is the same could be said of maybe the Ramones, although the Ramones were pretty popular. The Ramones but pretty were pretty big. They were, never, they were never they were never as big as they maybe wanted to be, and they definitely were very, you know, influential. Well
0: in they've certainly sold a lot of merchandise.
1: Actually another band, maybe this could be <laughs> my second, maybe this is the um can I move on to the second song yet? Yeah, sure, man. <laughs> um, uh, so, okay, my theme keeps changing now. So, the, this is the this bands that are, were unknown yet influential um, that I have recently come across. Yeah. And then for the next song, I'll change the theme again. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> um, Lobby Lloyd's Colored Balls. I don't know if you know those guys. I, I've come across them in the last few years. I've that heard sort of, of Sharpie, sort of... um. Uh I wanna think I wanna say they're from Melbourne and I'm probably gonna get bashed if they're not. I don't know. But um I
0: thought uh, Lobby Lloyd was a guy seriously I don't I'd heard of Lobby Lloyd,
1: I just assumed it was a guy, one guy. It is, yeah, he is a guy, but okay. he had a band oh. called he had a band called The Colored Balls. Okay, gotcha. And um and they were this really cool um sort of heavy blues band. They were sort of yeah, played at Sunbury, like first on at Sunbury right. or something. Um and uh, and again, I'm not going to know very much about them at all. But their music is like they're kind of like the the purveyors of that um, sort of Sharpie scene. So they all kind of had these mullets that people are now like bands like Amel and the Sniffers, yeah. um, uh, and that sort of scene. Like everyone wants to look like the Colored Balls looks mm, like these tough right. kind yeah. of tough guys, but mullets and kind of this really proto punk sort of. I could, yeah just heavy blues kind of stuff. Interesting. So um, is that
0: um is, is there an actual is there a song that you Um
1: oh yeah so I reckon I would go with um the song called well I like, there's one called Heavy Metal Kid um which I really like it's a bit more sort of up tempo there's there's a few that are more kind of riffy Sabbathy kind of um kind of songs but yeah I reckon Heavy Metal Kid um it would be would be my
2: pick
1: 70s. Early seventies, 70s, okay. Yeah, yeah, I reckon. And um, for my third song, oh, hang on, let's. Uh, um, I've got
0: some more questions about Lobby Lord and okay. kind coloured of balls for you, maybe. Okay. So would that have like? I, bet I
1: don't know the answer.
0: Oh no, I mean it's just there is no, <laughs> there is no, uh, there's no. This is not a test. Um, yeah, but like, is he still
1: alive? I don't know.
0: But uh, like, um, so would this have kind of, would this have been a precursor to things like Wire or um? Like that, so this is kind of like pre pre punk.
1: Yeah, so said. they were on the bill with like um like Billy Thorpe and the Aztecs. Yeah, and, um, right. Uh, they were sort of like I reckon. Yeah, there was a band called Buffalo as well. It was like an Australian band around that same time that were doing a kind of similar similar kind of thing. Um, and then yeah, I mean, I guess it just became Australian rock. I guess at some point, but that Sharpie scene is like this specific Australian sort of scene. They had their own dances and stuff, and it didn't they appear did. like anywhere else in the what, world. Well,
0: ah, oh, yes, I've heard about this. What can you remember? What the name yeah. of the dance was?
1: And so, um, what what the dance was? Yeah. I mean, I'm doing it right now.
2: <laughs> I'm <asking>. sure. I'm <laughs> sure I've heard. You would have seen it. There was a it. there's
1: a clip of um um Daddy Cool at maybe it was even the Sydney Meyer Music Bowl in Melbourne. Yeah. Um and there's they were doing Eagle Rock and it was sort of an odd sort of choice of dance. I don't think that was maybe specifically a Sharpie kind of anthem, but um there were definitely people in the crowd in this footage like doing that um doing that dance it's kind of like bordering on like the girls looked like sort of had like a skinhead kind of look like yes as Ryan says the the hair with the awning <laughs> like, there's i'm just
0: of. i'm looking it up i'm just trying to find something on the internet now and um apparently uh and i do remember seeing this uh magda zabanski when she was on like one of those oh. comedy shows she does yeah. like a um like she
1: does yeah like a piss take yeah and, yeah <laughs>
0: So um but I thought there was actually like actual names of like certain dance moves or whatever, but um uh hang on, look there's a sharp I'm gonna look on a YouTube clip now. It says Sharpie Dance. This looks like real footage on YouTube that I'm just gonna quickly look at and describe what I see. So it looks like they're definitely in a festival. Clearly this was filmed um, oh, there's an ad. Hurry up, ad. Oh, Here we go. God, we skip ad. What's
1: the ad for? Oh, I didn't even. I'm what are we buying?
0: It. Okay, so the first thing I see is somebody with a ciggy in their mouth. Say, so. Um, so this is so yeah, this is Sharpie Dance by Flash. Colored rush. Col- no flash, and the song's called Colored Balls.
1: Interesting. The song's called "Color Balls." Surely it's not the band "Color Balls" that we were just talking oh, about. Oh,
0: maybe it is. Maybe it is "Color Balls." <laughs> and the song's called "Flash." It's not. I it's, think that would be right. not it's 73 and and it's interspersed with footage of Magnus
1: Zavatsky and the other guy from. <laughs> <laughs> right, there you go.
0: It's, but okay, so it's kind of like that's lots of knee knocking bit of knee knocking going on
1: yeah maybe a bit of knee knocking the fists, um, the and fists yeah the a fists. Of fi- bit of fisting
0: and elbow and and like sort of so sort of hands clasped together both hands clasped together in a fist sort of like and the elbows kind of swinging up and down and then yeah. knee knocking is definitely a thing as well
1: i think it was the pretty aggressive scene too like i think you didn't want to come across a bunch of sharpies necessarily at uh, of an evening well especially yeah, I mean, if you were you know of a different tribe
0: well it was at the beginning of the mullet was it the start of the mullet?
1: Well, I reckon that's the mullet that people are now sort of harking back to. Yeah. Like, they sort of missed the 80s mullet, and that, that's, they're more sort of looking towards that. I'm sort of down. Era.
0: And I'm totally down with that because. I'm, I'm into it too. Yeah, I think the old school mullet is way. I mean, the 80s mullet got ridiculous. It got so long at the back i mean the sort of how
1: when it got how to, awkward would it be if we got some for spring loaded
0: <laughs> i can't i can't because all my um
1: we're uh, cool we're still cool
0: All, all my kids my <laughs> kids uh, all the boys at my kids school they're all getting mullets now yeah and yeah so i've been um i've been threatening my kids to say oh, i'm gonna get a mullet so that i look cool and they're just
2: yeah. just mortified Mort- and, mortified yeah they yeah. just say like,
0: please do not do that like Um, it might be something I might actually be able to use as a parenting technique it's like if you don't put your iPad down I'm going to the hairdressers and I'm getting getting a mullet mullet, and I'm going to pick you up from school every single day parading around with my my mullet Um, yeah they don't want that okay well um, what's your third song
1: oh god Um, so bands that were influential more than popular yeah um, it's a good theme we haven't had that before um uh well I, I mean i'd love to i'd have to i can't i can't go past the meanies i think nice like i think the meanies did you know they sort of had a time when you know early 90s was a big time for the Meanies, and i think now yeah. probably you know they're getting um a bit more of their due like doing some of these festivals and whatnot um but i know that you know they never really quite jumped onto that sort of because i think they were sort of peers of like spider bait and yeah um and that sort of sense you know spider bait obviously are just enormous the thing about me is like i i thought when when we first sort of started going and seeing them we just assumed that they had been a band for 10 years and when we started but they'd only been around for like two years is that true know, like, they're right. sort of just older than us oh I they, okay like,
2: i think i had the
0: same of, i think i had the same impression as you
1: yeah, I think a lot of people do. And, you know, to an extent, they'd be right. Any Anyone older, anyone younger than you, um, <laughs> you, you know. <laughs> it's actually, yeah, it's funny. Yeah, that, What's that? that feeling of like, and because, and, and when I was in high school and, you know, we were playing Deep Purple and Led Zeppelin songs and thinking that they were ancient, but they had really only finished playing in like, well, Deep Purple was still playing, but Led Zeppelin only finished in like nineteen eighty, yeah, or something. And um, but yeah, so yeah, me- Meanies. That perspective.
0: Uh, say, sorry, I'm gonna just want to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That perspective thing that you're talking about, I do think about that quite a lot because, like, I can remember in the mid nineties, like, in yeah. fact, even in the early nineties when I was in high school. I distinctly remember going to eighties themed parties where everybody dressed up like that from the eighties. This was in the like ninety three, you know, like the eighties had just finished. It wasn't Is it
1: because it had such a specific look?
0: I guess that like, definitely would have helped. I think, I, I, I think that would have been a part of it for sure. But, but there was also yeah. a sense as a teenager in the early 90s that the 80s was fucking ancient, right? And I thought yeah. about it. Yeah. And, and the perspective that that gives me is, can be quite difficult to grapple with because now I look back and just think, well, a teenager now in 2021 must think about the 90s the way that I did about the fucking 60s. Yeah, and that's I know. I know. and I I really struggle, like to kind of try and for that to sink in. That's a lot. Yeah. That is a lot to try and consider.
1: We we had this um we played with a young band on um, Sunday and the singer was saying, um that she's going to start a new band. I said, oh you know what's the what's the vibe of the new band? And she goes, oh you know like two thousand and six um oh 2006 emo or something like that and i was like yeah. that is so specific that <laughs> yeah and also i have no idea what happened in I know. 2006 how do that you was that specific but then for some people they're like that's their that's their 1993 or whatever
0: if you were mm-hmm. go, if if you were invited to a dress-up party and it was a the theme was like dress like the 2000s what would you wear
1: yeah exactly
0: i've got no fucking um, idea
1: yeah, no idea. I would wear, well, actually, I would wear what I was wearing in 1992, which happens to be what I'm wearing right now. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, so what's a Mani's song that we can have a listen to?
1: Um, let's listen to, we may as well listen to Gangrenous, because it was like the first, yeah, Gangrenous, that was the first, um, my sort of first introduction to them on record and thought holy heck mm. that's like interesting it's fast it's melodic I don't know what he's singing about but it sounds tough um and i would like to be them hello friends
2: i am he-man and i want you to read along as we listen to the adventures of the masters of the universe get ready for a lot of fun and excitement Now let's start. (laughs)
1: um... the worst the worst thing that wally worst insult that wally ever gave me was um when uh we first played with them in i think it was like a uni in adelaide or something Mm. and um he's like oh yeah i've heard that there's like some band that was kicking around that like they're just like trying to rip off the meanies or whatever and he's like and then i heard you and you don't sound anything like us (laughs)
2: like oh man
1: that's all I've tried to do. Like, the
0: whole time. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of that's that's a that's a tough one. That's a kind of compliment mixed up and a diss mixed up, a, you know that's a yeah. that's a real riddle. <laughs> that's a riddle for you. Yeah. <laughs> like. uh, I I remember buying the my yeah. So my earliest memories of me are watching them support Pearl Jam, which I think was in about ninety four. Yeah, and then very soon after that, buying the Ten Percent Weird uh cd single yeah um and then soon after that we su- uh, i'm pretty sure we su- yeah we supported them it was like my jebediah's first the first ever time i saw jebediah that jebediah was on like a shiny street poster you know not, oh, ju- yeah, not just well. in a black and white kind of the street press or whatever but an actual shiny three color poster that was like put up around town and we were the opening band on a, like a five band bill, um, even Magic Dirt. And wow. The Meanies, yeah. So, um, yeah, this was a nice. And, and then, yeah, like Wally, you know, was our first booker over in Melbourne and that kind of stuff. Oh so, yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah, I got, yeah. I was always,
1: I was always so jealous of um anyone that got a support with the Meanies before we got we started getting a couple of supports with them. And I was <laughs> like, I was like, why don't they like us? <laughs> we should
0: have. Well, uh, we probably only got the spot we were in Perth. Now maybe that was just wasn't you know. <laughs> maybe you were just no. a, you were in Sydney. There was a lot more competition.
1: Yeah, maybe that's it. Let's <laughs> let's go with that version of events. <laughs>
0: hey, look, uh, Jay. Before we finish, and thank you so much for um, for giving me your time for uh, this uh, podcast. I really really appreciate it. Um, Thank you, my man. Um, and I can't wait to just uh, uh, see you guys and, and at these spring loaded festivals that's happening throughout the end. Yes. The, the, and to pe- people sort of listening about these spring loaded festivals, just be aware that the lineup is different at each gig. So just before you buy tickets, just make sure you look at who exactly is playing um, yep. in, in your city because it does change from place to place. But um, yeah. But I was. Talk chatting to a couple of guys on a on on their podcast a few days ago, and um, uh these young sort of comedian dudes in Perth, and I'm not even sure how it came up in the first place, but um, they brought up um the time, and I'm apologise if you're you know if this is something you've been asked a lot about, I'm sick of talking about, it, but I found it really interesting because I hadn't thought about it for ages. Yeah, they brought up the Carl and Jackie O thing. Oh um, yeah, um, and. You know, and these guys, you know, much younger, and obviously they just have just dis- they just discovered it, um, and it brought back a lot of memories because I remember Jebs were playing at that gig yeah, it was up in Dar- oh, it was up in Darwin wasn't yeah, it Yeah,
1: bass in the grass, yes. bass in the dust, bass in the grass, yeah. Um,
0: we were playing it. I think uh, I remember Daniel Johns was there, but it wasn't Sylvia. Yeah, Richard, yeah. Um, Dissociatives he- played. Dabstri- That's right. Yeah, yeah. And so. It, it, we, and we were just kind of, yeah, just recalling, you know, that moment in time. And it was, you know, my recollection of it was so funny, like listening. We were in, Jeb's were playing a gig in Byron Bay at the uh, Great Northern when um yeah. when the the audio of that interview um was, I don't, I think it was, I, it wasn't even like on YouTube or anything. It was just getting passed around, I think. Um, yeah. And I remember list, we were all listening to it after our show in Byron Bay and it was so funny because... Yeah, my recollection was to, was like Kyle, who had absolutely no idea who you guys were. Um, yeah. totally like um, overestimated <laughs> his his, posi- <laughs> his position, and yeah. it was like laid really bare. Like what? Did and, and then soon after that, you guys were on Triple J and stuff. Anyway, I don't know what my question is, but I just want to just um, hark back to that period of time because it was very very funny. And um, yeah I think
1: I think like more more people uh, for a while there more people talked to me about that one 10 minute phone call than anything else I'd ever done in my whole life. And that's hilarious. <laughs> and, and um and it was pretty funny cuz I didn't like we didn't really know who they were at the time Yeah. Like, um and they we sort of, sort of knew about Jackie O, um, but definitely didn't know him at all. And then I think it was we were on Shock Records, and they were ringing up saying, "This guy's ringing us. Do you, um, they want you to go on the show and apologise to her." And <laughs> right. um, and I was like, I was like, oh, I don't want to do that. Like, no, and you know, we hadn't had much to do with radio at that at that point. But I kind of knew that it, it was it would be pretty easy for them to make me look like a real idiot you know like i was sort of set me up to be just some bong head sort of yeah guy whatever like so i was like no nah, not doing it and then they kept ringing and then my flatmates at the time were sort of egging me on and going just, go <laughs> and just tell the truth like, yeah, yeah yeah just go and tell the truth yeah and um and then after, and you can tell like uh, someone played it to me recently and it was a bit cringe but it was still like like i can hear the nerves in my voice at the start but then right. After he starts talking, like you can hear me, like totally relax. Yeah, yeah. it's like, a, oh my god, you're just a moron. Yeah, yeah. And um, and also that I just couldn't believe that they never hung up. <laughs> like, yeah. they just but, kept me on there, and, and but like, I think that gave us this totally. This sort of,
0: but that speaks to that how that much they overestimated their position on Kyle in particular. You know, like it's you know that idea of like you, you know that sort of um, give somebody enough rope. You know. Like yeah that he didn't know he didn't, but the
1: thing is <laughs> the thing is that about about those guys is that they they think that like they don't realize that there's this whole other universe outside of their jurisdiction, like of course, not. they don't realize that they they have no clue about the amount of venues in these cities and the amount of bands and the amount of places the amount of people recording records the amount of people making videos and art and like they got no clue about any of that stuff so like any any like it was a, maybe it was partly so entertaining cuz it was sort of the first time that anyone from some somewhere else had popped up and went like that's ridiculous like you guys are so outside of our world yeah like but you think that you have some jurisdiction over us like mm, mm. no that's wrong yeah like you you know you're you think you you can sort of make or break bands like you don't you'd never like yeah you, it was it was absurd yeah, it was I, an absurd threat
0: cuz it was yeah that thing where he kept saying oh look you know, I will never play you and you kept saying but you never have played us you <laughs> never will would. play us. like it doesn't <laughs> Yeah, I made mean, uh, yeah, it. Yeah, his
1: empty threats. So well, that's why I think that's why it made it onto because um, it was on media watch. That's right. Um, yeah. With uh, with David Maher, like one of my favorite ever people, and um, he was saying like that. Yeah, he basically didn't have the um, the clout to be out Like it wasn't his position to to have anything to do with the playlist anyway. On um, like even yeah. if you know, even if he had played us ever, but anyway. Well, look. It was, uh, yeah.
0: I I encourage. I'm I'm, look. I'm assuming that there's still audio of it on YouTube. You know, um, flirting around. I encourage encourage anyone listening who kind of missed it when it happened because it's going. It's quite a long time. It must have been 20 years ago, nearly, right? No, maybe. 15 15 years ago. So um yeah have a listen to it. It is very very funny and you'll probably get more of an idea of the sort of events that led up to it as well uh, which we didn't talk about. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um thank you so much Jay for uh, coming on to this and um and yeah like, Thank you man. Like I said this um, spring of shows yes, are going to be so much fun.
1: They will be so much fun. We will drink several cans of beer.
0: <laughs> Just two. Only two though. Yeah. I'm not gonna I'm gonna be doing any more than two. Maybe three yep. when we get back to the hotel, but that's it. Yes, that's it. No, it's gonna be lots of fun. All right. Thanks,
1: buddy. Cool man.